Hi everyone, Tommy here, to let you know that the St. Dimpna's Playbook book is now available from Ave Maria Press. You can order wherever books and ebooks are sold. We'll put a link to the book on Ave's website in the show notes so you can go and check it out and use the code BEWELL, all one word, to get 25% off. Thanks so much! Servant of God Catherine Doherty once said, It is through pain that one acquires that deep knowledge that has nothing to do with books and education, that deep knowledge that is given by God and by God alone and builds the foundation of unity. Welcome to the 108th episode of St. Dymphna's Playbook, the SDP, if you want to be cool, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth, and one in heaven. I love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because I want all of us to remember that we are called to unity in our suffering. We are called to build a community of support for one another as we move through our darkest valleys. Let's never miss that opportunity. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. With all the talk recently of another COVID variation, I thought it might be a good idea to return to the impact this pandemic has had on the mental health of kids and young adults, just to ensure we keep this important topic at the forefront of our minds. We'll go with Spectrum News to get us started. According to recent data from the CDC, mental health emergencies and suicide rates have increased dramatically through the pandemic, specifically for school-aged children. Per the CDC, between March and October of 2020, mental health emergency department visits for children 5 to 11 increased by 24%. For teens 12 to 17, emergency department visits related to mental health increased 31%. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for people between 10 and 24 years old. How did we get here and how can we fix it? Therapist Beth Eriks is the co-host of the podcast, Ask the Podcast, where she offers advice for teens and their parents. Quote, the behavior being modeled to children is self-medication, and so the kids don't know how to help themselves, and parents are so at the end of their own rope with their own stuff that's going on, they struggle to be able to support their kids. End quote. For parents, having the capacity to listen is imperative. Depression or talk of suicide should never be discounted as dramatic. Back to me, I want to make sure to underscore how serious this all is and how much we need to advocate for our kids and young adults when it comes to reaching out for and getting connected to help. There is help available, and it's on all of us to ensure that we're having these conversations with our kids and young adults that we care about in order to help them realize they aren't alone and that we'll walk with them no matter what. We can always start the conversation by giving examples from our own experience of times that we felt overwhelmed, depressed, anxious, and share how we were able to keep going one day at a time. It's vital that we give space for these conversations and show that we aren't going to be scared away from helping our loved ones no matter how intense their symptoms may be. Remember, if you're feeling suicidal, you can always text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741 to get connected to someone to talk to 24-7-365. 
So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request, and today I'm going to introduce you to St. James of the Marches. Born in 1392 in central Italy, James started learning from his uncle, who happened to be a priest at a very young age, and he went on to earn a doctorate in canon and civil law. After school, he worked as a tutor for a noble family and then abruptly changed direction in his life and joined the Order of the Friars Minor in Assisi at the age of 24. He completed his novitiate while living in a hermitage and went on to study with St. John of Capistrano. He took on a very severe life of prayer and penance, including fasting for nine months of of the year, but St. Bernardine of Siena told him he, he needed to moderate his practices, which I think is an important thing for us to hear because we hear all these intense penances done by saints, but here's an example of one where a saint was told to throttle it back a bit. He was known for many miracles that he performed and conversions that he helped with, and he was sent as a papal inquisitor to Bosnia in 1432, combating heresies in the nation and making plenty of enemies, including the Queen of Bosnia who tried to poison him. Interestingly, he started a non-profit credit organization that lent money at a very low rate on pawned objects, the very first ever pawn shop. Catholics invented everything, I'm telling you. He declined an offer to become the Bishop of Milan in 1460 and died in Naples 16 years later. His body remains incorrupt to this day and is still on view for the public. He is generally represented holding in his right hand a chalice out of which a snake is escaping, an allusion to some of the endeavors of heretics to poison him. What a life. We like to close out this part of the podcast with a prayer. St. James of the Marches, pray that we will find strength to live by Jesus' teachings and reap the rewards of eternal life with the angels and saints. Amen. And now you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter therapy. Anonymous gets us started. Affairs, how to process mentally. It's up and down and you never know how to act or feel, but you're expected to forgive and let it go. But I'm hurting. It's it's just worse pretending it's not there. You lose your confidence, your sense of self. We invest so much and to be betrayed hurts. It also hurts sometimes the church overlooks the issue. The hurting spouse is directed toward the catechism and keeping the family strong, but we break. Let's start by praying for everyone in this situation that God's unimaginable peace and compassion may come down upon them. And let's also pray for the souls of those who engage in the behavior of affairs, that they may seek to radically change their lives and rebuild their relationships if possible. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. First off, I have to say that you seem to be absolutely right with everything you said. Affairs are unimaginably damaging. And while I know we're called to forgive those who trespass against us, like we just said, I have a hard time being able to see how I could forgive such a terrible action committed by the person that I'm closest to. Of course, God can do things that we can't imagine, right? And sometimes that means he can help spouses recover and rebuild what was torn down by infidelity. If we do have the ability to stay together, it will take some work to rebuild what was broken 
broken, and we'll get some thoughts on how to start with that work from the Mayo Clinic. Few marital problems cause as much heartache and devastation as infidelity, which undermines the foundation of marriage itself. However, when both spouses are committed to real healing, most marriages survive and many marriages become stronger with deeper levels of intimacy. Recovering from an affair will be one of the most challenging chapters in one's life. This challenge may come with ambivalence and uncertainty. However, as one rebuilds trust, admits guilt, learns how to forgive and reconcile struggles, it can deepen and strengthen the love and affection we all desire. Consider these steps to promote healing. First, don't decide yet. Before choosing to continue or end your marriage, take the time to heal and understand what was behind the affair. Next, be accountable. If you were unfaithful, take responsibility for your actions, end the affair, and stop all interactions or communications with the person. If the affair involved a coworker, limit contact strictly to business or get another job. Get help from different sources. Seek the help of non-judgmental, understanding friends, experienced spiritual leaders, or a trained counselor. Seek advice from a professional. Next is consult a marriage counselor. Seek help from a licensed therapist who is specifically trained in marital therapy and experienced in dealing with infidelity. Marriage counseling can help you put the affair into perspective, identify issues that might have contributed to the affair, learn how to rebuild and strengthen your relationship, and avoid divorce if that's the mutual goal. Next is restore trust. Make a plan to restore trust and result in reconciliation. Agree on a timetable and process. If you were unfaithful, admit guilt and pursue authentic forgiveness. If your partner was unfaithful, when you are able, offer forgiveness together seek understanding. So back to me, this seems like the right place to start, especially in terms of getting connected to a therapist who can help couples move toward their mutual goal of staying together after an experience like this. Please, please know that we will be praying for you. A different anonymous is up next. I've heard so many times over the years that God speaks to us in silence and that we need to have more silence in our prayer lives in order to hear his voice clearly. But what if silence is when I feel the most anxious? And what if it leads to my anxious thoughts spiraling out of control? What advice do you have for praying in silence while still taking care of mental health? Let's begin by praying together for Anonymous and everyone who finds silence an anxious place that God may show them a way forward that works for them. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. First off, I want to say what a blessing it is that you're interested in trying to figure this out to deepen your prayer life, even knowing that certain ideas about prayer lead to anxiety, I think it's important for us to remember that every piece of advice that comes to us through our church, even advice from popes, saints, etc., regarding our spirituality, prayer life, or relationship with God, might not work for all people at all times. We may hear that sitting in silence and trying to listen to the quiet voice of God is key, but we may not be comfortable with silence, and God understands that. He's going to want to reach us in a way that makes sense to us, brings us peace, etc. So while it's hard because we all want to be given a path forward, and then just follow it, we actually need to get to know ourselves a bit, get to know what works for us and what doesn't, and accept that God knows better than us uh, <laughs> and is going to, he knows us better than us, right? And he's going to connect with us in a way that makes sense, leave us feeling comfortable and, and in a way that we can accept. 
So perhaps in the future, we may be able to sit in the silence and we can definitely reevaluate from time to time to see where we're at. But he understands better than we do that we can't always sit in the silence and he's okay with it. He isn't restricted to speaking to us only in the quiet of the Adoration Chapel. He can break through all the noise that fills our life and make himself known. And he does all the time. For others who might be experiencing a similar kind of anxiety, let's take a quick look at Very Well Mind for some coping ideas before we move on. Commit to spending 10 minutes a day working on your mental health. Before you do any cognitive work like changing your thoughts, look at lifestyle changes such as limiting caffeine, eating a healthy diet, getting regular exercise. Sleep hygiene is important too, such as sticking to a regular bedtime and not staying in bed if your mind is racing. Instead, get up, do something else until you feel tired, and then try again. Look at some of your thought patterns. For example, anxiety involves a lot of negative predictions. What if I don't make this deadline? Or I know I will make a fool of myself during this presentation. When you notice a negative thought, try countering it with something more realistic or helpful, such as I always make my deadlines. And even if I miss this one, it wouldn't be the end of the world. And last, practice deep breathing or progressive muscle relaxation to help control any kind of tension. And back to me, look up some mindfulness techniques online and try the ones that sound the most promising to you while you're sitting in silence. You can practice them over and over again and it can really make a huge difference. Courtney wraps us up. I have a bright and funny 11-year-old girl. She loves the outdoors, science fiction and video games and all things that have gotten coded as male by her peers. She's finally made peace with the fact that she's more at home hanging out and cracking jokes and talking comics with her guy friends than talking about makeup and crushes with the girls in her class. Last night, she told me she sometimes doesn't feel like a girl, but she also doesn't feel like a boy. I told her I love her no matter what, and that all of us feel that kind of out of place feeling from time to time, especially in junior high. But I'm struggling with the best way to be compassionate about this while offering constructive guidance. Do you have any thoughts? Let's start by praying for Courtney and for her 11-year-old for peace in their hearts and comfort that only the Lord can give. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. I want to start by saying what a blessing you are for your 11-year-old. Your compassion and desire to do what's best comes through very clearly here, and you deserve to hear that you're a wonderful parent trying to do your best, and that really says a lot in this day. I think you're on the right track with telling her that you love her no matter what and sharing your own experiences of feeling out of place at this age, being comfortable in this conversation and ensuring that she knows that you love, that you love her unconditionally is exactly what she needs to experience from you. I also think it's important to have an open discussion about how the idea of boys things or a boy's way of being or girls things or a girl's way of being are pretty much made up. Girls can do things that are coded for boys and vice versa, right? And just because we feel more comfortable doing one or the other doesn't mean that we are one or the other. It's important to shed those ideas being pushed on us by our culture and society and learn who we are on the inside after some deep introspective and then be comfortable 
comfortable with that. Now, of course, after that deep introspection and learning about ourselves, it may very well be that we're experiencing something like gender dysphoria. But I want to make sure to separate that from the reality of a girl feeling more comfortable doing things that are coded for boys. So let's have a look at what gender dysphoria actually is so that we can make sure we're staying on the same page here. This is from the APA. The DSM-5 defines gender dysphoria in adolescence as a marked incongruence between one's experience or expressed gender and their assigned gender, lasting at least six months and manifested by at least two of the following. A marked incongruence between one's experienced gender and primary and or secondary sex characteristics, or in young adolescents, the anticipated secondary sex characteristics. A strong desire to be rid of one's primary and or secondary sex characteristics because of a marked incongruence congruence with one's experienced gender, or in young adolescents, a desire to prevent the development of anticipated secondary sex characteristics, a strong desire for the primary and or secondary sex characteristics of the other gender, a strong desire to be the other gender or some alternative gender different from the one's assigned gender, a strong desire to be treated as the other gender or some alternative gender different from the assigned gender, and a strong conviction that one has typical feelings and reactions of the other gender or some alternative gender different from one's assigned gender. So back to me. So as Catholic parents, our role is to show our children the love of God through our love, unconditional, never wavering, a love that tells them we will walk with them no matter what. As I've mentioned before, our children have so much pressure weighing down on them, so much negativity coming their way from school, friends, the media, and on and on and on. And they deserve one place where they can be comfortable being themselves, comfortable knowing that they will be accepted no matter what. And as parents, aren't we meant to provide that place for them? I think so. And I think that's what you're doing. So know that we're praying for you and keep up the incredibly important work of being that comfortable, restful, peaceful place that your child needs. All right, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Remember, you can email, DM, or tweet your questions and situations if you'd like me to address them in a future episode. I'd be happy to keep you anonymous or not, whatever you want. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash grexley to see all the great things they've got going on over there and support the cause. Until next time, go easy on yourselves. Take care of yourselves. And if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray, don't worry. I'll be praying for you. And so will St. Dymphna.